Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. something here because this is the teaching that I'm going to do is really really cool it's a really cool teaching like I've been I've been studying this teaching for a long time I I can't get enough of it enough of it and I happen to, to love Neville Goddard I think he was a great um, a really great minister and uh, teacher the idea here is that he's going to break down the law of assumption which is based on the idea that everything is already created, okay? There was one moment in time where everything's created, and even when we don't have it in the physical, it lives in the potential. It lives in the spiritual. It lives in the, in the allness of the universe. All the knowledge it ever was or ever will be is 100% equally present in all places at the same time. So as we start to wrap our mind around this, and listen, folks, I've been, I've been studying this stuff for a long time, and I still work on wrapping my mind around the, the, the magnificence of these ideas, because the more, the more aware you become of them and how you work with them, the bigger and better you can create the things that you want in life. So... If we, if we come from a premise, a truth premise, that everything is already here, and we get ourselves kind of out of the way, okay? Get, get your, your, your limitations, your doubts, your fears, your worries, just kind of get them out of the way for the moment and come from the idea that everything is already here, right? If that's so then how do we bring it into our life even when we're struggling with our own identity, when we're struggling with the, the, the principles of can I actually do it in our own growth? Um, I think one of the most magnificent things that I'm really grateful to have an experience with is to, is to really have my very first conscious manifestation was so big that to understand that I didn't even understand what I was doing when I did it really meant that it had not a whole lot to do with how much I was growing at the time. I grew more after that manifestation than I did before it. The only thing that happened prior to me making a decision to begin to change me was that I was getting more and more tired of the place that I was living in, the life that I had created, the mistakes that I was making. And then the second that I began to change it, everything external of me began to change. But I wouldn't say that there was a whole lot of growth that took place there. It was just a decision, and a lot of it was based out of fear and frustration. So you don't even have to grow that much to change the result. What you have to do is to start to wrap your mind around the idea that whatever you want is already here. It's already here. 
So let's get into what Goddard talks about. He start, this is, I'm starting off here. The whole book's fantastic. I'm not going to cover the whole book, but I'm going to cover a few chapters. And I'm going to start with chapter 15, The Crown of Mysteries. He says, the assumption of the wish fulfilled is the ship that carries you over the unknown seas to the fulfillment of your dream. The assumption is everything. Realization is subconscious and effortless. Assume a virtue if you have it not. Act on the assumption that you already possess that which you sought. Now, again, he comes from the Christian tradition here. So if that bothers you, don't, don't let it bother you. Just like, just look for the truth in it. Don't get stuck on the religion, okay? Blessed is she that believed. For there shall be performance of those things which were told to her from the Lord. He says, as the Immaculate Conception is the foundation of the Christian mystery, so is the assumption, so the assumption is their crown. Psychologically, the Immaculate Conception means the birth of an idea in your own consciousness, unaided by another. For instance, when you have a specific wish or a hunger or a longing, it is an immaculate conception in the sense that no physical person or thing plants it in your mind. It's self-conceived. Every man is the Mary of the immaculate conception and birth to his idea must give. The assumption is the crown of mysteries because it is the highest use of consciousness. When in imagination you assume the feeling of a wish fulfilled, you're mentally lifted up to a higher level. When through your persistence this assumption becomes an actual fact, you automatically find yourself on a higher level, that is, that you have achieved your desire in your objective world. Your assumption guides all of your conscious and subconscious movements toward its suggested end, so inevitably, that, is at, that actually dictates the events themselves. The drama of life is a psychological one. And the whole of it is written and produced by your assumption. Learn the art of assumption, for only in this way can you create your own happiness. Self-surrender is essential, and by that, is meant the confession of personal impotence. I, I can of my own self do nothing. Since creation is finished, it is impossible to force anything into being. Now think, think about what he's saying here. Since creation is, in, is finished, it's impossible to force anything into being. It's already in being. The example of magnetism Previously given uh, as a good illustration, you cannot make magnetism. It can only be displayed. You cannot make the law of magnetism. If you want to build a magnet, you can do so only by conforming to the law of magnetism. In other words, you surrender yourself or yield to the law. In like manner, when you use the faculty of assumption, you are conforming to a law just as real as the law governing magnetism. You can neither create nor change the law of assumption. It is in this respect that you are impotent. 
you can only yield or conform. And since all of your experiences are the result of your assumption, consciously or unconsciously, the value of consciously using the power of assumption surely must be obvious. Willingly identify with that which you most desire, knowing that it will find expression through you. Yield to the feeling of the wish fulfilled and, and be consumed as its victim. Then rise as the prophet of the law of assumption. Now, think about what he says here. He says, yield to the feeling of the wish fulfilled. Not the wish, the wish fulfilled. It's a big difference. If you, come from the, if you come from the feeling of the wish, you mix it with the idea that you don't have it. So that's a different, that's a, that's a different assumption. That's a completely different assumption. You want to mix it with the, with the idea of the wish fulfilled. You already have it. It's already yours. It's already in your life. It's already here. It makes all the difference. Then he says all things are possible. It is of great significance that the truth of the principles outlined in this book have been proven time and time again by personal experiences of the author. Throughout the past 25 years, he has applied the principles and proved them successful in innumerable instances. He attributes to the unwavering assumption of his wish already being fulfilled every success that he has achieved. He is confident that by these fixed assumptions, his desires were predestined to be fulfilled. Time and time again, he assumed the feeling of his wish fulfilled and continued in his assumption until that which he desired was completely realized. Now, whether it's predestined or not, I don't think is really of any importance. I really don't. And everything that I've studied, there really is no significance. Like a person can believe it or not believe it. I don't think it has any uh, any effect on your manifestation whatsoever. I think that our purpose is probably predestined. If you believe that we are a soul instead of we have a soul, your soul is eternal and it moves in and out of life in order to perform specific things. So then we have the experiences that make up the reality that, that we're in, and we have specific desires in our life that draw to us and draw us to whatever our purpose is and what we're supposed to be doing. Live your life in a sublime spirit of confidence and determination. Disregard appearances and conditions. In fact, all evidence of your senses that deny the fulfillment of your desire, disregard them. It's interesting because this is written in 52. I think Pritchett wrote his book in the late 80s. And right there, they're basically saying the same thing. Absence of evidence is not evidence of its absence, if you remember that from, from U squared. Rest in the assumption that you're already what you want to be. Now think about the word he's using here. He's saying rest. Rest in the assumption. That means you don't have to worry. 
You don't have to fear. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to get your mind uh, really wrapped up in the problems of the day, whether they're personal or worldly issues. Rest in the assumption. So rest, whenever you see that written in scripture, it usually means it usually means calm, confident, quiet of spirit, right? It, it's peaceful. It's that peaceful grace that we can go with through life with in order to manifest what we want. Rest in the assumption that you're already what you want to be. For in that determination, assumption, you and your infinite being are merged in a creative unity. And with your infinite being, God, all things are possible. God never fails. So here's another author that is indicating you are God. You are God. It doesn't matter how you read it or where you get the information from. Basically, it's telling you not from an arrogant place, but from a place of quiet confidence, you have that power. For who can stay his hand or say unto him, what doesn't thou? Through the mastery of your assumptions, you're in a very, excuse me, you are in very truth enabled to master life. It is thus that the ladder of life is ascended. Thus, the ideal is realized. The clue to the real purpose of life is to surrender yourself to the ideal with such awareness of its reality that you begin to live life of the ideal and no longer your own life as it were prior to this surrender. So when we talk about this, uh, like in some of my, my bigger teachings that I do, part of the idea is and when you read like you're, you're giving up your life or your old life or it's not your life or whatever, they're talking about the programmed life that was given to you versus your spiritual life versus your own inner heart's desire. He calleth things that are not seen as though they were, and the unseen becomes seen. Think about that. He calleth things that are not seen as though they were. Are you doing that with your life? Because that's one of the realities that we're not, we're not taught. We're taught that we have to see it, weigh it, measure it, and that makes it real. But that, that quality, that's an intellectual quality, by the way, is something that only moves life linear. Each assumption has its corresponding world. If you're truly observant, you will notice that the power of your assumption to change circumstances which appear wholly immutable, you would, by your conscious assumptions, determine the nature of the world in which you live. Ignore the present state and assume the wish fulfilled. Claim it, it will respond. The law of assumption is the means by which the fulfillment of your desire may be realized. Every moment of your life, consciously or unconsciously, you are assuming a feeling. You can no more avoid assuming a feeling than you can avoid eating and drinking. All you can do, all you can do is control the nature of your assumptions. Thus, it's clearly seen 
that the control of your assumption is the key you now hold to an ever-expanding, happier, more noble life. Now he gives us a quote from James uh, in the New Testament, 122 through 25. He says, Be ye doers of the world, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of a man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continue therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. He says the word is the quotation that means idea, concept, or desire. You deceive yourself by hearing only when you expect your desire to be fulfilled through mere wishful thinking. Your desire is what you want to be, and looking at yourself in a glass is seeing yourself in your imagination as that person. Forgetting what manner of man you are is failing to persist in your, in your assumption. The perfect law of liberty is the law which makes possible liberation from limitation. That is the law of assumption. To continue in the perfect law of liberty is to persist in the assumption that your desire is already fulfilled. You're not a forgetful hearer when you keep your feeling of your wish fulfilled constantly alive in your consciousness. This makes you a doer of the work, and you are blessed in your deed by the inevitable realization of your desire. You must be doers of the law of assumption, for without application, the most profound understanding will not produce any desired results. Frequent reiteration and repetition of important basic truths runs through these pages. Where the law of assumption is concerned and the law that sets a man free, this is a good thing. It should be made clear again and again, even at the risk of repetition. The real truth seeker will welcome this aid in concentrating his attention on the law which sets him free. The parable of the master's condemnation of the servant who neglected to use his talent given him is clear and unmistakable. Having discovered within yourself the key to the treasure house, you should be like a good servant who by wise use multiplied by many times the talents entrusted to him. The talent entrusted to you is the power to consciously determine your assumption. He's talking about choice, how we use our choice. The greatest power we have. The talent not used, like the limb not exercised, withers and finally atrophies. What you must strive after being, I'm sorry, what you must strive after is being. In order to do, it is necessary to be. The end of yearning is to be. Your concept of yourself can only be driven out of un can only be driven out of consciousness by another concept of yourself. We talked about that with uh, Buckminster Fuller's quote. 
You never change things by fighting existing reality. To change something, you build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. When you assume you're the person that you want to be, you make the existing model obsolete. You go through life being the person you assume to be. By creating an ideal in your mind, you can identify yourself with it until you become one and the same with the ideal, thereby transforming yourself into it. The dynamic prevails over the static, the active over the passive. One who is a doer is magnetic and therefore infinitely more creative than any who merely hear it be among the doers. The essentials. The essential points in the successful use of the law of assumption are these. First, and above all, yearning, longing, intense burning desire. With all your heart, you must want to be different from who you are. Intense burning desire is the mainspring of action and, being of, and, and the being of all successful ventures. In every great passion, desire is concentrated. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Blessed are the hunger and the thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Here, the soul is interpreted as the sum total of all you believe, all you think, all you feel, and all you accept as true. In other words, your present level of awareness. God means I am, the source and fulfillment of all desire. This quotation describes how your present level of awareness longs to transcend itself. Righteousness is the consciousness of already being what you want to be. Second, cultivate physical immobility, a physical uh, incapacity not unlike the state described by Keats in his Ode to a Nightingale. A drowsy numbness pains my senses, as though a hemlock I had drunk. It is a state akin to sleep, but one in which you are still in control of the direction of your intention. You must learn to induce this state at will. Now, this is the reason that we're doing the self-hypnosis. That's the state we're talking about. It's a state of receptivity, for your subconscious mind. But experience has taught that it's more easily induced after a substantial meal or when you wake in the morning feeling very loath to arise. Then you're naturally disposed to enter into this state. The value of physical immobility shows itself in the accumulation of mental force, which absolute stillness brings with it. It increases your power of concentration. Be still and know that I am God. In fact, the greater energies of the mind seldom break forth, save when the body is stilled and the door of the senses closed to the objective world. Now, the third and last thing to do is to exper experience in your imagination what you would experience in reality had you achieved your goal. Imagine that you possess the quality or something you desire with hitherto has not been yours. 
Surrender yourself completely to this feeling until your whole being is possessed by it. This state differs from reverie in the, in the respect. It is the result of a controlled imagination and a steady concentrated attention. Whereas reverie is the result of an uncontrolled imagination, usually just a daydream. In a controlled state, a minimum of effort suffices to keep your consciousness filled with the feeling of the wish fulfilled. The physical and mental immobility is the state, is a state powerful aid to the voluntary attention of a major factor of minimum effort. The application of these three points, desire, physical immobility, the assumption of the wish already fulfilled. It is the way to at one moment or union, to create a union with your objective. One of the most prevalent misunderstandings is that this law works only for those having a, a, a devout or religious objective. This is a fallacy. It works just as impersonally as the law of electricity works. It can be used for greedy, selfish, powerful purposes, as well as noble ones. But it should always be borne in the mind that ignoble thoughts and actions invariably result in unhappy consequences. Righteousness. In the preceding chapter, righteousness was defined as the consciousness of already being what you want to be. This is the true psychological meaning and obviously does not refer to the adherence of moral codes, civil law, or religious precepts. You cannot attach too much importance to being righteous. In fact, the entire Bible is permeated with the admonition and the exhortations on this subject. Break off sins by righteousness. My righteousness I hold fast and will not uh, let it go. My heart shall not uh, reproach me as long as I live. My righteousness shall answer for me uh, in the time to come. Very often the words sin and righteousness are used in the same quotation. Now sin simply means missing the mark. This is the logical contrast of opposites and becomes enormously significant in the light of psychological meaning of righteousness and the, and the psychological meaning of sin. Sin means to miss the mark, not to attain your desire, not to be the person that you want to be is sinning. Righteousness is the consciousness of already being what you want to be. It is the changeless educative law that effects must follow causes. Only by righteousness can you be saved from sinning. There is widespread misunderstanding as to what it means to be saved from sin. The following example will suffice to, in the demonstration of the misunderstanding and to establish the truth. A person living in abject poverty may believe that by means of some religious or philosophical activity, he can be saved from sin and his life improved as a result. If he, however, continues to live in the same state of poverty, it is obvious that what he believed was not true, and in fact, he was not saved. On the other hand, he can be saved by righteousness. The successful use of the law of assumption would have the inevitable result of an actual change in his life. He would no longer live in poverty. He would no longer miss the mark. He would be saved from sin. Except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes of the Pharisees, ye shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. Scribes and Pharisees mean those who are influenced and governed by outer appearances. 
the rules and the customs of society in which they live, the vain desire to be thought of well by other people. Unless this state of mind is exceeded, your life will be one of limitation, of failure to attain your desires, of missing the mark, of sin. The righteous is to exceeded by true righteousness, which is always the consciousness of already being that what we want to be. One of the great pitfalls in attempting to use the law of assumption is focusing your attention on things, on a new home to get a better job, a better bank balance. This is not the righteousness in which you die in your sins. Righteousness is not the thing itself. It is the consciousness, the feeling of already being the person you want to be, of already having the thing that you desire. And the reason that he's talking about that is because he's talking about first causes. If you're looking at the house, you're not focused on the first cause. The house is the result. The bank balance is the result. The better job is the result. The better business is the result. The, the different partner is the result. If you focus on the person that you want to be that creates those results, then you're focusing in righteousness. Now you're replacing an old paradigm with a new paradigm. You're becoming the person that you want to be. From Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The kingdom, the entire creation of God, your I am, is within you. Righteousness is the awareness that you already possess it all. Isn't that cool? That is really so cool. All right, great lesson. Have fun, be grateful, and make something positive happen. Be the person that you want to be. See you later, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.